0: Good morning. There is definitely something special about the name of Jesus. We're going to sing that in just a moment. Welcome to our service. We've had a wonderful 8.30 service already. Looking forward to another wonderful time in the house of the Lord. I love the anthem that opens the worship service today. It's my favorite one to open the worship service. I would choose it every Sunday if they would let me, but they don't as it is the invitation for all to hail the power of Jesus' name. It's to exalt Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I love it. One day we're going to witness that in person. What a day that will be. Now we will sing about it. Stand if you would. Especially pay attention to verse number 3, as all majesty is ascribed to Him. Lift your voice now.
1: Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown. And seed of Israel's race He ransomed from Terrestrial ball. To him All majesty Ascribe and crown Him Lord of all To him All majesty Ascribe and crown Him Lord of all Oh that's with yonder Say May fall will join the Everlasting song And crown him
2: His grace, say amen. Amen. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, Father. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today. I thank you for the guests we have. I thank you for bringing everyone here safely. Father, if someone's still traveling here, allow them to bring them here safely, Father. Father, as we celebrate the breast cancer month, Father, I just ask you to be with all the cancer patients throughout, Father. Just intervene with them and allow them to have a great life and, and heal them father father i just know that your word is true always you said i am the way the truth and the life no one come unto the father but by me but whoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved father if someone's here today they haven't received you as their savior or online father let today be the day that they open their hearts and accept you as your savior so they can spend eternity with you father Father, we thank you for all you do in our lives. We thank you for Pastor Hunter and Ms. Bev, as it is Pastor Appreciation Month. We thank you for everything they do. Father, we just ask you to be with Pastor today as, as he preaches your word in John. And as uh, speak through him. Allow him to be clear with his words because you bring it to us from through him, Father. Father, be with us now as we turn around and greet one another with a holy wave. And Jesus' name pray. Amen. Turn around to your neighbor and wave.
0: there's something special about his name. I love this little chorus. I love to just say his name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, like the fragrance after the rain, there's just something about that name. If you know them today, I trust you enjoy this moment of worship.
1: Jesus. something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after Something about that name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about. Like the fragrance after the rain Jesus, Jesus
0: something about that name for there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved and I my my kids will probably be disappointed that we're singing that today they have a dad that cannot sing a lick but loves to sing and two of my favorite little choruses just to break out in song one of them is this, and I'll just let Jesus, Jesus, Jesus rip, and usually they'll say something like, he would appreciate it if it was on tune, uh, and the other one is, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and uh, so they're in for a great treat as I sing throughout the day today, so thank you for giving me this opportunity. Welcome to service today, welcome those of you that are watching online, we're delighted to have you, I hope and pray that you're able to be concentrated for an hour of worship, uh, if you're at home today or watching online, make sure that you check in. Let us know. Of course, share the service would be great, and we're just excited to have you. We're starting to get our people back, and um, we're seeing them. We had many folks at eight thirty that we hadn't seen in a while, and it was delighted. I hear the same thing from everyone that when they finally come back, it's not the same as watching online. They never say if it's good or bad. They just say it's not the same as watching online. And, uh, but we're delighted to have you. If you're visiting with us today, and I do see some guests in the pew in front of you is a connection card. If you'd be so kind as to take a moment, grab that card, fill it out, put it in your offering plate when it goes by. That'll give us a record of your attendance this morning, how you heard about us, who invited you. We love to have all of those things while they're doing that. Let me make some announcements, uh, beginning with today. Again, we have our second choir practice uh, choir will begin today at 4.30 and uh, we're excited to have our choir back. We need our choir back. We need our choir members back. We are looking for some new folks in the choir. And, uh, and of course, if you have, to, uh, if you're going to be in a choir, you need to be a member, and you should be able to sing just a little bit. We would, we would appreciate that. That's why they don't let me in there. Um, but we, we need our help. So, choir, make sure you're here practicing for the Christmas season. We are preparing for Christmas. We're preparing the lights. We're preparing our Christmas Eve service, and just the opportunity to share the light of the world at that time. You can help me. As you sing the congregational songs, if the person standing beside you is singing and it's pleasant, would you just turn to them during the song and say, you should be in the choir. And then afterwards, let me know their name and I'll reinforce your godly decision along those lines. So choir today at 4.30. Um, of course, on Wednesday night, we'll be, I'll, I'll be preaching again our series, A Christian Home. Uh, we're taking a, a biblical view of our homes. It's one thing to be a Christian. It's another thing to have a Christian home. Uh, I don't know anything more impactful and influential in our lives than our homes. I don't know anything that stays with a person throughout their life more than the influence and the activity of their home, especially as children. I find as I'm a pastor and I do weddings and marriage counseling and premarriage counseling and all of that, that the home is a very much a big player, especially as you're uniting two homes in marriage. So we're taking an opportunity to look at what the Bible says about our homes. Christian people ought to want to have Christian homes. And a Christian home doesn't just happen. It takes, it takes understanding. It takes application it takes truth. And so come, if you would, on Wednesday night, and let's learn together, and let's let God do a wonderful work in our homes. You saw all kinds of announcements that were on the slides moving throughout the month of October and into the months of November. Uh, don't forget, there was a youth activity on October 30th coming up. Veterans, we have a Veterans Breakfast on the 7th. Uh, we'd love for you to sign up for that in the welcome, or in the, at the welcome desk in the lobby. Senior Saints, you saw that we were going to have our Thanksgiving luncheon this year, and um, I mean, we ought to have Thanksgiving luncheon, that's just something that has to happen, and so we're going to do it after the second service on a Sunday, just looking at that thing makes me hungry, um, I don't know that ours will look like that, but that's a beautiful picture right there, and hopefully it'll taste good to you, sign up at the welcome desk, bring a guest that day, and let's just enjoy some time together. Brother Joey said that nothing is required of you uh, to bring anything or to provide any money. All of it will be ready and waiting for you as you, as you show up. Um, wanted to say thank you for your prayers yesterday. I was in St. Petersburg doing the uh, graveside service for Pat Harris. Please continue to pray. This Saturday we have the funeral service for young men in our church, Neil, Neil Blake, Neil lost his life two weeks ago in the middle of the week, tragically, unexpectedly, woke up that day never dreaming it would be his last moments on the earth. By the way, let me just put a parenthesis there and say, that's why you need to know when you die where you're going to go and be ready for that. And he thought he would make it home and he, he, he never he never made it home and so James and Laverna, as Mom and Dad, of course we're praying for them. that service is this coming Saturday. I believe it's at 11:30. Um, I need your prayers. I'm expecting for his influence and outreach for many from the community to be here and we just want the, the Lord to be exalted and for salvation to be preached and for folks to trust the Lord as their wonderful as their Savior on that day. Um, When you came in, you've seen the parking lot, right? It looks like streets of gold out there, man. It's just becoming... More beautiful and more beautiful. It's looking like a parking lot. Um, you can see the progress there. And one day it's going to look just like that picture right there. Except for the Lamborghinis and the Porsches that the pastoral staff is supposed to be driving. Uh, they'll be more like Volkswagen. But uh, no offense if you drive a Volkswagen. Um, 81, if you take 81 times 9,100, that's the amount that God has provided for our building fund and where are we? We're moving forward. Sometimes people ask me, Pastor, how are we doing on the building program? I say, we're doing great. How are we doing financially? We're going by faith. And so that's exactly what we're doing. We don't have a barrel of money. Just every time we've reached in there, God has provided for his parking lot. By the way, that's Jesus's parking lot. Right? And he'll take care of it. I want to thank you, church family. Uh, you have given uh, we have given as we can. The Bible speaks about that. Some, some have little, some have much, but I know, and from your pastor, I want to say from my heart, thank you for your faithful giving. I want to say thank you to the Lord for his faithful providing. Uh, we still need God to provide. I believe that the way that God will provide is through his people, and uh, so we're trusting him for that. Right now, as we come down to the finish line, every hundred dollars counts, every thousand dollars counts, every ten thousand dollars counts, every hundred grand counts. So wherever you fall on that, uh, spectrum, nothing that we give is too little. By the way, the Lord takes little and multiplies it very much. And so you should see the fence finishing. You should begin to see light poles going up. You should begin to see, uh, landscaping coming in. And then we will stripe that parking lot and we will use it for the glory of the Lord and so thank you for all that you've done many of you have come out to help you've come out to help on the Christmas lights pastor are we having the Christmas lights yeah we're having the Christmas lights how are we going to do that I don't know we're just going to do it Um, it will be organized for it and the Lord is going to provide it but we need To be able to present the Lord Jesus this year to our community through that ministry. And so we're trusting the Lord alone. Aren't you glad that our God is great? And I'm glad we don't have to count on our resources. We can count on his resources. Do you have the picture of little Jasmine? She's not little. She's eight pounds, two ounces. That's a first grader that was born right there. Uh, I think Danny and Peggy are at home and they're watching online I got the call on Friday while I was driving. We're headed to the hospital, and the baby is coming, and it's just a marvelous moment. And uh, pray for Danny and for Peggy, and we reckon God's precious gift with Jasmine Elizabeth Sagara. And she is just beautiful like her mother, and God was merciful from her dad. And so we thank him for that so much. All right. I I love the music today. The music today has just done a tremendous job exalting the Lord Jesus, the name of the Lord Jesus, the power of the Lord Jesus. And this hymn entitled, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus, means the world to my own heart. It begins with a wonderful phrase, I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. These are words that come from somebody who has found in Jesus a friend so strong and true. I would tell you, Charles said, how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. I hope you know the reality of that in your life. If you're here today and you need a life change, that's why you've come to church today. You've analyzed your life. You've looked at your life. And the best you know how, you've verbalized it by, I need something different in my life. Well, the something you need is someone, and His name is Jesus. And as a church body, in unison, as we sing the hymn, we would love to tell you what we think of Him because of what He's done in our lives. Stand if you would, church family. Lift your voice. Pay attention to the words. I know it will bless you and remind you of your great friend. I would love to
1: tell you what I think of Jesus Since I found in him a friend so strong and true I would tell you how he changed my life completely He did something that no other friends could do No one ever cared for me like Jesus There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. Oh, my heart was full of misery and woe places strong and loving arms around me and he led me in the way I ought to go. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Every day he comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand his words of love. But I'll never know just why he came to save me. Till someday I see his blessed face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me.
0: Amen. You may be seated. If you are a believer in the Lord, you sing that hymn and just every word of it you identify with. Uh, We'll have our prayers of the people and we'll have our offering. If you're our guest, if you'd just be so kind as to put that card in the offering plate when it goes by. Church family, I'm asking for your prayers on a pastoral um, level. I come to you today. Pray for me this week. Um, I have a lot of appointments with people that... That their lives have just been turned upside down. Um, I know it's, it's cancer month and Joey prayed for that. I, I'm meeting with some folks that um, they have cancer in their life. And very successful people, very kind people, very religious people. But I'm not sure that they have a relationship with the Lord. And I read in the Bible where God uses physical health many times in people's lives to bring them to Jesus or to draw them close to the Lord. I have that opportunity this week. I I have some marriages that have just blown to pieces. God created marriage. Marriage done God's way has a blessing. Marriage done our way painful man pray pray for the marriages of our church marriage is designed to show god's love for his people praise the lord his love never blows up people are hurting today i want to make one more statement Non-peaceful, joyful marriage is not the way God intended marriage. So many people live without the joy of God in their marriage. Whether you're married to somebody who's unfaithful, somebody who's nasty, somebody who's not a believer, somebody who's dishonest, If you know God, God can bring about joy in your life way before he'll ever fix your marriage. Just run to him when you need it. These are things your pastor. When I took the job to become a pastor, I thought you only work one day a week. (laughs) I'm finding that's different. You know that. Pray. Pray for me. I'm, I'm asking you to pray. I got a lot of appointments this week. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father God. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. I I don't know a better opening line for a hymn. You imagine what must have been in the heart of Charles Weigel. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would love to tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could ever do. That's that's the Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father. That's who he is. I pray today that the people of God would just be reminded about how great our Lord is. And I pray that throughout the day that his name will be on our lips and in our mind and in our hearts. I pray today if there be somebody that does not know the Lord personally as their Savior. And they're here today or they're listening online. and They need a life change. They're looking at their life and they're just unsatisfied. There's a lack of peace. There's anxiousness. Wander lostness, insecurity, difficulty, sadness, despair, loneliness. These are things that people deal with. I would like to tell them that Jesus can do for them what no other person can do for them. Oh, I pray today that you'd help me preach with power, truth, kindness, and love. Speak to our hearts today, God. Lord, all of us need you. Some are going through some very difficult times. Think about a dear precious lady with breast cancer. I think about marriages that I've received a call. They're gone. They're gone. One man come home, finds a note on the table, everything gone. God, we need you. So I pray that you would protect marriage today. I pray you would protect the marriages of our church. And I pray, God, that they would continue to reflect your love for your people. Give me wisdom, direction as people come for help. Lord, you're so faithful. I look out and hear the testimonies of people. And even in my own life, I see your wonderful faithfulness. I thank you for your steadfastness and your provision and you've provided so wonderfully and you continue to do that. We just acknowledge you. We acknowledge you today for being faithful, God. Thank you for our church family around the world today. Bless them. Keep them. I see some that are back from illness and you've touched them, Lord, and I'm so thankful for that. Some are headed towards surgery, protect and keep them. Some are at home today. They couldn't be there because they're sick. May they know they're in our heart and our mind and in our prayers today. Bless the offertory. It's instrumental, but it moves our emotion. It moves our mind and it moves our hearts toward the Lord Jesus. Help me to preach now, I pray. In Jesus' name we make our prayer. Amen and amen. God bless you. As our guest, if you'd put that card in the plate, that would be a blessing. Listen, if you would, to this offertory. Let it stir your soul. Thank you, Brother Jeff. Thank you, Brother Juan. Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name. What a beautiful offertory. Take your Bible, if you would, please, this morning. And once again, make your way to the Gospel of John. The eighth chapter of the book is our text today. It was our text last week. And it probably will be our text for another week or two or two or two. We have been in the book of John for many weeks and months. And we shall continue in the book of John for many months, Lord willing, as we find ourselves in the eighth chapter. There are 21 chapters in the book. It's a big book. It's a blessed book. It's a powerful book. Um, it's a book that I believe that God is using to draw people to salvation in the Lord Jesus. We've already seen many folks ...that have come to the Lord and believing upon Him as we've been in this series. And it's a book that I believe that strengthens the sanctification of God's people... ...as we are refreshed and renewed in the Lord and in the teachings of of the Lord Jesus while He was on the earth. And so we thank you so much for your kindness and for listening, for your intentiveness, uh, for your interest. And I trust... That God is using this in your life. Our text today picks up with verse number 12. And I will read all the way to verse number 30. I'm not sure that I will uh, make all of the text. I did not at 8.30. And I try to keep that consistent with the two services. But I will allow the Lord to lead as He sees fit. Pick up, if you would, please, in verse number 12. It begins with the word, then. That is very important because of the context that I will, that we find the Lord's great declaration of verse number 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. You should have that phrase in your Bible underlined or highlighted. Seven times in the gospel of John, the Lord Jesus makes the great declaration, I am. We've had one of those in chapter number 6. I am the bread of life. Chapter number 8, I am the light of the world. When you get later, you will find I am the door. Later, I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The seven great I am's of the Lord. I would submit to you. That they are in the spiritual world. What the seven wonders of the world are in the physical world. Far greater are the seven great I am's of the Lord. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. But shall have the light of life. The Pharisees, therefore, said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. I want to just take a moment here and say, if Jesus speaks it, it's truth. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But you cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. There's two witnesses. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered. Ye neither know me. Nor my father. If ye had known me. Ye should have known my father. Also. Let's pause. Let's say a sentence or two here. It is impossible to say that you love God and hate Jesus. It's impossible to say that you believe in God and deny Jesus. If you hate Jesus, you hate the Father. If you deny Jesus, you deny the Father. Well, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Jesus. Then you don't believe in God. Verse number 20. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as He taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on Him. They wanted to kill Him. For His hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go My way, and ye shall seek Me and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, Cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. He said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Praise the Lord. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. I said, therefore, unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. I'm not finished, but let me pause. If you have believed, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and you have found redemption in Him, and He has cleansed you from your sin, that you will not die in it, would you say, Amen? Amen. Then said they unto Him, Who art Thou? Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, what a consistent message Jesus is. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, speaking of the crucifixion, Then shall ye know that I am he, that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do all. Always those things that please him. Would you read verse 30 out loud with me please? And he spake these words and many believed on him. Ninety-eight times in the Gospel of John, the word believe. It is the sole purpose of the book. To read the book and not to believe is to miss the point and the person of the book. The evidence is so clear and so truthful and so righteous as it exalts Jesus to be the Son of God, the Messiah, that there's a consequence to unbelief. That would be to die in our sins. The eighth chapter of the book of John, powerful. Volatile, back and forth. The book op- The chapter opens with a scheme designed to bring about an accusation or accuse the Lord Jesus. When you get to the end of the chapter, they have forgotten the scheme and they've picked up stones to kill him. When you read the 8th chapter of the book of John, Jesus holds no punches. You can understand the volatility of it as you come to verse number 39, as we will approach in a moment, or next week. Then answered and said unto them, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the, what class? The truth. They were so proud to be of the father of Abraham, and yet they were not of the seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham was of faith. The seed of Abraham was a type of Christ. Jesus very clearly points out to these men who their father is. Look, if you would, at verse number 44, ye are of your father, the devil. That blessed them. No, it didn't. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a. Say it, class. Would you just look this way a second and just let me tell all of us in the room and those that are watching online? God is truth, Satan is a liar. It will not be until you're cast into the devil's pit that the world will fully understand the liar that Satan is. Nobody appreciates deception. I don't know that there's any greater wound or pain than when one realizes they've been lied to. Especially if they have their hopes, their dreams, their lives on what they supposed to be the truth. Satan is a liar, he has been a liar, and he will always be a liar. And for those that follow the teaching and the words of Satan, one day, if you follow that all the way to a Christless eternity, The Bible says that there will be a day that the eyes of the unsaved world will see Satan. And the Bible says it clearly, is this the one that deceived the nations? If you could see him in his true character, you would see a gnarled, demonic, out of insanity, out of saneness being. That is so opposite of the light of the world that you would not want anything to do with him. That is why there's churches like Plantation Baptist Church all around the world that stand up and preach that Jesus is the light of the world. Three words will help you with my text today. Please write them down in your mind, if nothing else. Light, liar, and Lord. The text opens up with the great declaration of the Lord Jesus, declaring, I am the light of the world. It is imperative that you understand that word, then, in verse number 12, the first word, as it follows the context of the first 11 verses. You remember that there's a group that, that lives and moves with inside the Jewish nation, They're called scribes and Pharisees. In the Bible, you find that these are religious folks, but they're not believers. You find that these are folks that have an outward form of religion, but they deny the power of God in their life. If you were to look at them on the outside, you would say, those are religious people. The problem is, All that man can see is the outward appearance, but God knows the heart. I want to stop, and you'll find me saying that a couple of times more, and I just want to think about this and chew this up and swallow this a minute, and I want you to hear it in your own mind. God knows my heart, and God knows your heart. Everything we have outside, God knows our heart. He knows our mind. He knows our motive. What is buried in the secrecy of our lives is not secret to God. There's not a darkness dark enough that can hide the truth from Almighty God. So I want to say it one more time. Does it scare anybody else? When you really think about God knows our hearts. It makes me want to stop and say thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. that cleanses me from all my sin. The Pharisees hated Jesus Christ when they learned who he was. They never humbled themselves to him. They always asked questions. The first 11 verses they were setting a trap to try to accuse him. And they, 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 they figured they could do it in a lawful manner. And what they did is they planted a trap where they had a woman they knew was an, was an immoral woman. They probably knew they could arrange a moment of adultery or knew she was in adultery already. And they spread, set a trap. The Bible says, according to them, that they, they, they burst through the door in the very act of this adulterous affair. And they grab this woman and they bring her to where Jesus is teaching. They intrude and interrupt right into the temple. They stop the whole show, and they throw her in front of the Lord Jesus. And they say to this rabbi, this teacher, Moses says, we got to kill her. What do you say? They thought they had him pinned. It amazes me how much we think we're smarter than God. We all have those moments. If he agreed with the law, which he did agree with the law, he fulfilled the law, but in he verbalized that she should be stoned, the common people would leave him horrifically. They would be able to expose him as not the savior of those people, but the enemy of those people. The following of the common people meant the world to the Pharisees, The people themselves meant the world to Jesus. If he said release her, he may have had the backing of the common people, but he would have broke the law of Moses. Therefore, they would have had the right to accuse him. They think they've got him in a trap. You and I know as we preached last week, the brilliance of the Lord Jesus as he begins to just bend down and write in the ground. We talked about the fact that Bible scholars wonder what he wrote. If you understand the law back then, they had to have two or three witnesses. And those witnesses were the ones that carried out the punishment. So if you're bringing her as a witness and you believe she needs to be stoned, then you pick up a stone and you kill her. And the way that they would stone somebody was they wouldn't go back and pitch them. It was a picking up and a crushing. They would take them outside and they would crush them. However, the law said... If you were the witness to the crime, you better not be guilty of the same crime. That's interesting. So when Jesus looked at them and said, okay, you're the witness, fulfill the duty, then they had not been better guilty of the same crime. What crime? Of adultery. When Jesus was writing down, he probably was writing their lives, the time they had been with that woman, the time they had done that. You know, my sin is written down somewhere, but I'm glad it's covered by the blood of Jesus Christ right? The Bible says that they were so pricked in their conscience about that moment that one by one they left the room and Jesus is there with that woman. And when they brought her in in a position of condemnation, expecting him to pass judgment, and Jesus says to her, woman, where are thine accusers? None, my Lord. Jesus would go on to say, well, neither do I condemn thee, Go and sin no more. By the way, once you acknowledge Jesus as Lord of your life, you're passed from condemnation unto life. The Bible says that she went out that day with the admonition of go and sin no more. We're not sure how long in between verse number 11 and verse number 12. John kind of writes it like it picks right back up after those scribes and those Pharisees left. Then Jesus said unto them, I'm the light of the world. The light of the world that he is speaking about here is not a physical light. He's speaking about the spiritual light. He makes the declaration that he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. When you think about light and darkness, you cannot think about things that are further apart. They cannot coexist. You cannot have light, and you cannot have darkness. Either you have light, or you have darkness. When you find in the scripture, you will find that light has the power to overtake darkness, and darkness hates light. Two things light does to darkness. It expels the darkness and then it exposes the deeds. I would submit to you that light is more powerful than darkness. Nobody cuts the dark on. We turn the light out. When the light comes on, the darkness cannot withstand physically. It has to leave. When the light comes on, after the darkness is gone, you can see what the darkness has been hiding. It takes me to my Sunday morning routine. Is any other woman in here married to a man of routine? There's some. There's one honest person. The rest of you are too chicken, right? So I have a routine in my house on Sunday morning. And we redid our, our bedroom. And when we redid our bedroom years ago, we redid the bathroom. And I didn't think my way through the door in our bathroom. And so I don't have a main door on there. Of course, there's a private door, but there's not a main door. And so when I get up in the morning, if I turn the light on, it thrills Beverly. No, it doesn't, right? So on Sunday mornings, I try not to do two things when I get out of bed. I try not to wake her up, and I try not to wake our dog up. Because if I wake the dog up, then I've woke up Beverly. And if I wake the dog up in Beverly at that time, then I've woken up, well, you know where this is about to go. So many times, I find myself shaving in the dark, getting ready in the dark. And I don't want to turn the light on. I've learned how to do that. And then sometimes I get over to the church, 6.45, 6.50 in the morning. I go into the bathroom and I look at what I missed. So in my office, I have razor. I have shaving cream. I have scissors. I have nose hair pluckers. I have ear hair pluckers. I I have all of those things because you miss some things in the dark, right? Jesus is announcing to them that he is the spiritual light of the world. And in the context of that trap. The light did what it was supposed to do. It expelled the darkness. And it exposed the deeds. Spiritual darkness. Is that which men. Hide behind. So that their deeds cannot be exposed. Exposed. These men that had brought this lady to be condemned by the Lord Jesus, when the light came on and they were were exposed, they ran from Jesus. They went out from Jesus with their conscience convicted, but not with their heart humbled. I I just want to say I don't know a more miserable place to be than to have my conscience convicted and my heart not humbled. Most men and most women that deal with a convicted conscience who don't humble their hearts and find cleansing for their conscience, they have to sear their conscience. Most of the time, my aggravation is not with others, it's with myself over a convicted conscience. So opposite was this woman when the light was turned on and her deeds were exposed. Instead of running from Jesus, she ran to Jesus. Instead of hiding. in spiritual darkness. She humbled herself. In the light of the Lord. Instead of leaving. Under the condemnation of her sin. She found the cleansing. Of the blood of Jesus. As she received him. As the Lord. Hold your hand here. Go if you would please to John chapter 3. You need these verses. I won't be long. I won't get much further than verse number 2. If you're thinking, how is he going to get to 30 all all the time? The Bible says that God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Bible says that God sent him into the world because we were condemned already. Verse number 19 of chapter 3. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. We know that to be Jesus. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were what class? Evil. Now watch this. For everyone that doeth evil what's that word? Hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be proved what a statement about the lord jesus and who he is as the light of the world as the spiritual light to a lost and dark world when jesus comes into your life the first thing he will do is expel the spiritual darkness the spiritual darkness will not be able to withstand his presence It will not be able to stand His person. It will not be able to stand His preaching. Once the darkness or the excuse of our lives has been expelled by His presence, then the deeds of our lives are there. There we stand naked and open. There we stand with nothing to cover. Or no place to hide. At that moment we have two choices. Either we walk away from the light. Or we walk to the light of the Lord Jesus. I submit to you. That when the light of the Lord Jesus is turned on into your life. You will make a choice as to what you do in the darkness. With the darkness. Hold your hand here and make your way to the back of the Bible and go, if you would, to the first letter that John wrote, the first epistle. Please do that. 1 John chapter 1. Make your way there quickly. I want you to be able to read what the Bible says about the light of the Lord and and that influence in our life. Verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we do what class? We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light... We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all our sin. I don't know if you've ever had the, wonder, the, the horrific experience of darkness. I don't know if you've ever had what we would call a long night, and you're waiting for the morning. Seems like no matter how tough the night is, when the morning breaks, there's a little bit of hope. A little bit of light shines bright in the most dark of our moments of our lives. When it comes to our lives spiritually, we were born in darkness of our sin. We learn to love that darkness as we learn to enjoy the deeds of our sinful nature. The problem is, if we die in our sin, we'll be in hell forever. God sent Jesus into your life not to condemn you but to save you. Tell me you believe that by saying amen. Not to judge you. It's not His time to judge. It was His time to justify you. God sent Jesus into your life as spiritual light to drive away the darkness and to expose our sin so that we would find the cleansing blood of Jesus for our sin. Jesus made this promise, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. I don't know about you. But I'm glad that I have the ability to not walk in darkness. And by the way, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, the first thing you're going to do is put your faith in Jesus. You cannot be a disciple of the Lord without being born again. You cannot be a follower of the Lord without being saved. Jesus said, gave the wonderful hope that thou shalt not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I don't know what people do who do not have Jesus as the light of their life. I'm so glad that I have believed upon him. And not only has his light brought about belief for eternal life, but it's also brought about light to my physical life. I have his word that provides light in the difficult moments of my life. Direction, guidance, hope. I don't know about you, but I don't always know what to do. I don't always know what choice to make. I don't always know which way to go. It's in moments like that, believers, that I'm thankful that not only do I have the light of eternal life, but I have the light of physical life in the Word of God. If you're appreciative of that, say amen. Let me talk to you, Christian, just a moment as my time is leaving. dangerous to walk outside of the light it's dangerous to run to darkness the bible talks about the light of the lord as being an armor a protection a comfort i hope today you're walking in the light you always know something's wrong with you when you don't want to be around jesus You always know something's wrong with you. When you don't want to be in the light of God's word. You always know. That you're headed in a wrong direction. And there's a problem. If you don't want to be around the light. Men love darkness. Because their deeds are evil. If I can say I'm in the light, but I don't walk in the light, then the Bible says that I'm a liar. Always be weary when his person, his presence, and his preaching is not welcomed. Always be careful of that direction. Jesus is the light of the world. His followers will not have to walk in darkness We will have the light of his life. Pastor, in my walk with the Lord, sometimes we sin and we fall. Sometimes we can experience the same things an unsaved person does. And when the light of the the, the righteous light is turned on and it, it doesn't draw me to him, it pushes me away. I've got some things wrong in my life with the Lord. And believers, just like Adam, when they have some things wrong in their life with the Lord, sometimes they want to get away from the Lord. They get outside of the preaching. They don't come to church. They don't read their Bible. They don't do any of this type of stuff. And in in our minds, it's because we don't want God to really know what's going on. How stupid is that? God knows everything. In our minds, it's we don't want to face up to the shame. He died for that. In our minds, it sometimes boils down to what do we want to do to humble our hearts Or do we want to sear our conscience? I submit to you that our God is a forgiving God. It's dangerous to walk outside of the light of the word of God, even for the believer. So I want to ask you this question. Have you come to Jesus spiritually as the light of your world? As he's exposed, expelled the darkness and revealed our evil deeds, have you found cleansing through the blood of Jesus? Have you found salvation from the condemnation of our sin? Do you know what it is to walk not in darkness, but to walk in the light of his life? My second word is verse 13. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. When Jesus exposed... Himself to be the light of the world, instead of humbling themselves to them, to him, they simply called him a liar. And I am finding today that people are still calling God a liar. Let me start with the Christian. Christian, you and I would never, with our words, call God a liar. Sometimes we call God a liar with our actions. The old adage, actions speak. God promises to be something to us and we don't think he can. God promises to direct us and we don't trust it. God promises to meet us here and we don't do it. God calls us to do something we don't. we think him insufficient. God lays out everything he can do, everything he is, everything he wants us to do, and how we can trust him. We would never say, you're lying, God. But Sometimes by our actions, we simply say, you're lying, God. You know, I'm a parent. And I have four children. They've grown up in this church. As your pastor, I want to say thank you for letting my kids grow up. It's not easy to grow up in a preacher's home. We do live in a little bit of a fishbowl. Sometimes the preacher's kids are expected to be different. God knows my kids are different, but not in that way. You've let them come to faith in Jesus. You've let them make mistakes. Sin. You let them find cleansing. It's funny. I have lost families over my children. I remember one time at Christmas time at the Sawgrass Mills Mall at the Michael Kors store, they were selling those purses like you would sell them at Walmart. And we bought a couple purses for the kids and had Christmas. The girls brought the purses in. People went nuts. Pastor kids shouldn't have that. Never came back. They've had to endure some things. But for the most part, this church has loved my kids and I love you for it. But as a dad, when your kids are going the wrong direction, you pour out your love, your counsel, your truth. You've all experienced this. We all do with our own kids. And you want those kids to see that you're telling them the truth. And as your kids get older and they can become influenced by others, they begin to measure other people's opinions to their dad or to their mom or to their home or whatever. It crosses you if they go a different direction. I think God is that way. God comes to his kid and says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light to be able for your... Bring cleansing to your soul. I can direct you in your life. I can care for you. I can keep you. I can meet your need. Trust me. And then to watch the kid not in essence say, you're a dadgum liar. But in essence say, you're a dadgum liar. Amazes me how kind and forgiving our God must be, right? Amazes me. He's not a liar. He's absolute truth. And you can trust him as the light of your world. Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, God. What a declaration Jesus gave. I'm the light of the world. The Pharisees looked at him and said, you're a stinking liar. But that woman caught in adultery knew him to be the light of her world. Many of us in this room have known him to be the light of our world. We were lost in darkness until Jesus found me. He wrapped his loving arms around me. and He did something for me no other friend could do. My life was full of sin until Jesus forgave me. Men love darkness because we try to hide. The problem is if we die in our sin, we're in trouble. Jesus came not to condemn us, but to save us And as the light of the world. He expels the darkness and exposes the deeds. And then he is deliverance. And then to have the light of him in our lives. The only way the Pharisees could navigate the conviction of that moment was to say, you're a stinking liar. Wasn't true. He's absolute truth. God, don't ever let us, in essence, call you a liar through our unbelief our disobedience our lack of faith if we say we have light and we don't walk in the light then we're a liar because if we say we have the light we'll walk in the light I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed I'd like to begin with you Christian his light your life how's your walk are you walking in light of the Lord or are you walking in darkness the only reason we would walk in darkness is to hide what we're doing are you allowing his word to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your way pastor I'm not right okay welcome to the club the way you get right is you humble yourself Pastor, I don't want to face the Lord. Oh, yeah, you do. He's kind. He's merciful. Pastor, will you forgive me? Yeah, he's got to be so disappointed. No, he's, he loves you. But you should come to him, and you should thank him for turning the light on in your life, and you should confess and find cleansing for your sin. Maybe you're walking in the light wonderfully, and you just want to praise the Lord today for his light in your life, and you think about where would my life be without the Lord, and you just want to give him glory. Praise his holy name. Maybe you're here today and you're not a believer, but Jesus has turned his light on in your life today, and you see that you need the Savior. He didn't come to condemn you, he came to save you. If you'll believe upon him like these people did, you'll find light in life like you never dreamed. Pastor, how would I do that? You'd open your heart to him, and you would confess him as Lord, and you'd invite him. To be your Lord and Savior. Confessing yourself a sinner. We can show you how to do that from the Bible. Just take a couple of minutes. We always give an invitation. If that's you and you'd like to become a Christian today. then all you do is come down and tell one of the men. I'd like to be saved. We'll take you to a private room. Talk with you a couple of minutes. And you could receive the Lord. Would you stand please? Heavenly Father have your way now. In our lives. Speak to every heart and every mind. I beg you. Lord I know there's a battle as to who's right. And who's who's truthful and who's liar. I pray that we would find that God be truthful and all men be liars. Help us here. We love you and thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Our song is Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Men will be here to pray if you desire somebody to pray with you. The altar is open. You come as God leads you. Verse number 1.
1: I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. change the leper's spot and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all I wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain,
0: he washed it white as well. Thank you so much for listening today. I believe Sue's come forward today for membership. Wonderful. You didn't give me a heads up. You surprised me. I'm so surprised. And Sue Camery, I've known her for years. She's been coming to our church. And God has moved on to be a formal presentation of herself today for membership at Plantation Baptist. If you rejoice with her, say Amen. amen. And we're excited. I know Francine joined last week, and we're so excited for what God is doing. Uh, Stay right there, just a moment, on that front pew, if you would, please. Let me just say one thing. God is always right, even if we can't explain Him. He's always right. Don't go to work tomorrow and let somebody back you in a corner that God is a liar. God is not a liar. You may not understand, and they may frame an argument a certain way, And they may they may even have scripture to use it. And you may get pummeled in that conversation. And you may leave thinking I'm the worst Christian in the world. That's fine. Leave thinking you're the worst Christian in the world. But don't agree with them that God is a liar. Come back. Search the scripture. Find the truth. And take it to them and cut the light on in their life. Thank you so much. Our song to go home is a song that talks about that day of rejoicing. What a day it will be. See you Wednesday night. Thank you so much. God bless you as you serve him this week.
1: There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye, always peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day, that will be, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, and the look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand, and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. God bless you.